If you have your Bible today, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number four. Matthew chapter number four. Matthew chapter number four. And we're going to jump all the way down to verse number 18. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 18. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we refer to those as the synoptic gospels. A lot of times the stories we find in Matthew, we're going to find in Mark, we're going to find in Luke. And today's story is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And each one tells us a little bit more about this story. So we're going to look at all three stories, and then we're going to pull the truth out of it. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway, sorry, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And it, they immediately left their ship and their father and followed him. Hold your place there. Go with me to the book of Mark. Now flip over to Mark, chapter number 1. Mark, chapter number 1. We should do like a sword drill. Bonus points. Mark 1.14. Mark 1.14. He didn't stand. He didn't stand enough. Now after! Alright. That gives the boys some points. Now after that John was put into prison, Jesus came to Galilee. So remember in the other one he was in Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye and believe, in the, or believe the gospel. And as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who were also in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. All right. Next passage, Luke. Luke. Chapter number five. Luke, chapter number five. Now this is the long one. Luke, chapter number five. We're going to jump down to verse number, or verse number one. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him uh, to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. By the way, the lake of Gennesaret is the Sea of Galilee. It's like two different names. Same thing, kind of like the Kansas River is also called the Kaw River. It's two, two names, same thing. So Lake of Gennesaret, same thing. And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when they had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch ye out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. A draught is like a catch of fish. And Simon answering said, And Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had thus done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes so that their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. 
For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt, thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. So we have three different passages. All three of these are the same story. Each one gives us a little bit more information about these stories. We're going to look at this about the calling of Peter, Andrew, James, and John. So these four guys, let's pray. Father, I do pray that you bless today. I pray that you help us, Lord, to understand about how you call and when you call. I pray, Father, that you help us to understand, um, uh, Lord, uh, uh, what, what these guys did that was so special. And I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if we, if we read all three of these Gospels, we can kind of put together the full story and kind of see what's going on here. So Jesus had been, uh, he just got done being tempted by the devil. He was in the wilderness, the devil tempted him. He came out of the wilderness, and as he came out of the wilderness, he was working his way back, and he was working his way back toward Israel proper, where everybody was. When he was on his way back there, he came by the Sea of Galilee. Now the Sea of Galilee is really big. Um, it's bigger than like Lake Perry. In fact, it's about Lake Perry plus Clinton Lake put together in one massive sea. You can see across it. It's big, but it's, um, it can be seen across, but it's not like, like just barely, just barely. I mean, big waves. It's, it's a big lake. Most of you, if you've, how many of you have seen the ocean or been to the ocean? Okay, it's kind of like that. It's actually closer to being kind of like if you go to Chicago, there's a big great lake there called Lake Michigan, one of the great lakes. It's closer to that where it's fresh water, but it's, it's big. It's big. You have to have a pretty big boat to be out there on it. And it's not like you can just swim across it. It's too far to swim across. Like Perry Lake, if you got out there and you really needed to get across the lake, it might be faster just to jump in and start swimming and swim across it instead of trying to walk all the way around it. For the Sea of Galilee, that's just not a possibility. You're going to walk around it. So Jesus comes there. He's walking around. And as he's walking, he's preaching. He's telling people about Jesus, or he's telling people about himself, about, hey, you need to, you need to believe me. You need to repent. And this huge group of people starts following him. And then he comes up and he sees these two boats that are right on the shore. And he sees these guys outside their boats working on their nets. Now, in the Mark passage, we saw that there were servants with Zebedee. And in the uh, Luke passage, we see that Jesus is going to come down and he's going to say, hey, um, can somebody take me out there? Now, can you imagine if some stranger, let's say um, we're just going to pretend here. Let's just pretend that Mrs. Johnson goes to Walmart. Does your mom ever go to Walmart? Macy, sometimes? Does your mom ever go to Walmart, do you think? Yeah. She goes to the store. She's at the store. She goes and she goes to get out of the car. She turns off the car, she gets out of the car, and she goes to walk in the store. And when she's walking out of the store with all the groceries, she walks up there, and some strange guy walks over to the car, opens the door, gets in the car, and just sits down. Would that be weird? That'd be kind of creepy. Some guy just sits down in the car, and your mom walks over and says, um, maybe you have the wrong car, this is my car. He says, oh, I know it's your car. I just need you to give me a ride. I need you to take me somewhere. I'm like, wait, what? Who are you and what are you doing in my car? No, hey, can you do me a favor? I just need you to take me for a ride over here. And, and that's what Jesus did. He like walked over and just got down in Simon's boat. Like, hey, nice boat. Um, can we take this out for a spin? Simon's like, um, who are you? What are you doing in my boat? Like, what do you think's going on? So Jesus gets down in the boat and they... Simon does. He's like, okay, I'll take you out for a little, like, I'm trying to talk to all these people over here. Can you just, 
okay, I mean, he's kind of in the middle of stuff. He's trying to fix his nets. He's trying to work on them. So they push out. They go out into the water. And so while they're out in the water, Jesus starts talking to all the people from the boat. He's like talking to all the people. Undoubtedly, Simon heard some of what Jesus was saying as he's sitting in the boat. Jesus is saying like, hey, repent. We saw that in Mark, what he's telling them. Like, repent, you know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand and the Lord is with you and I am here. While that's going on, Jesus is here, he's sitting in the boat and, and Jesus is with, with these guys and he gets all done. Then he tells Peter, hey, Peter, go ahead and throw your net over, you know. You gave me a ride, it'd be kind of like if somebody was just sitting in Mrs. Johnson's car. Some stranger, you don't know him, some weird guy. And he's like, oh, can you give me a ride across town, please? That's weird. But your mom's like, okay, we'll do that. So she gives him a ride across town. And as the guy's getting out, he's like, you know what, I really appreciate it here. Let me give you a little money for that. And he pulls out like a $100 bill and says, hey, here's some money for giving me a ride. That'd be kind of nice. Give somebody a ride, just throws a $100 bill at you. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus is there and he says, hey, um, listen, thanks for, thanks for letting me do this. Uh, uh, go ahead and throw your net over. I want you to catch some fish to pay for, you know, taking me out or whatever. And these guys like throw down. And instead of giving you like $100 bill, the guy like opens up his wallet just like, like $100 bills just like fill up your whole car full of $100 bills. Like that was a pretty good ride you gave that guy. It's like cram pack full. In fact, there was so much fish inside their boat. And remember, that fish is money for them. They get to take those fish and sell them. There's so much fish, they called for the other boat. And the other boat came and they filled up both boats with fish. And both boats were about to sink. I mean, they filled these boats up to the brim. Oh my goodness, so many fish. And then Peter realized that, hey, what Jesus was saying was true when he was speaking from the boat. And Peter's like, hey, uh, you know, please uh, forgive me. I, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. And Jesus is like, Peter, follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. The Bible says that Jesus called Peter. Now let's go back to Matthew. We're going to look at, at what went on here in Matthew as, as far as these four guys getting called. And think about it. On earth, how many people do you think there were on earth at this time to be called? A hundred? A thousand? Ten thousand? A hundred thousand? A million? There are a lot of people on earth Jesus could have talked to. There are a lot of people he could have said, hey, follow me. There are probably some people that were a lot smarter than Peter was. Peter never went to school like you guys do. Peter, according to their, according to their rules, when you turned 13, you were done with school. You got to graduate at 13. Wouldn't that be nice? Like, yes, I'm 13, I'm out. And actually, girls, when you turn 12, you get to graduate. And you don't even have to take any classes, like no math, no reading, because you don't need to know those things. Yeah, because all you're going to be is somebody's, like, servant. So it doesn't matter. You don't need to know how to read and to write and to do math. That's not going to matter. That's what your husband's for. He'll tell you all that stuff that you need to know. So, yeah, I mean, that's how it went. They didn't know any of these things. Boys, when you turn 13, you got to graduate from school. You got to go off and start your jobs, start working. Now, again, you don't have to come to school, but you do have to go to work. So it's kind of tough. And girls, hey, when you're 13, 14, that's about, you know, time to find yourself a husband. So, you know, you're getting up there. 14, hurry up and get married. So, yeah, that's, that's how it went. So here, Peter, James, we don't know how old they are. John, these guys. They were all fishermen. It was a trade thing. Their, their dads were fishermen, and that's what made them fishermen. They're out there fishing. 
and Jesus shows up. And out of everybody he could have called, he went to these guys. And he chose four guys from the same little group that were over there. He called them together and said, hey guys, um, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Today I want to look at what these guys did or why these guys, why these guys were the ones that were called. First thing I think that why Jesus called these guys and not somebody else, because he could have gone, there were other people. You realize the apostle Paul is alive right now? He's pretty smart. He went to school all the time. He didn't go to him. There were some people that were a lot stronger than Peter, James, John, and Peter, James, John, and Andrew. There were, there were guys who were a lot stronger than they were. They were better soldiers. They could have gone to those guys. Later on, Jesus is going to call a guy called Simon Zelotes. He was a zealot. He was a fighter. He was an assassin. The Zelotes. He didn't call him first. They could have called some people that were rich. Think about like Zacchaeus with all that money he had. Could have gone to some rich guys and said, hey, rich guys, come follow me. He didn't go to them. He went to some poor guys. These guys are so poor, they're having to fix their own nets. Instead of just buying new nets, they're having to fix their old nets. That's pretty poor. And Jesus goes and calls these guys. So why these guys? First reason I think he called these guys is because in all three passages, you know what it tells us very clearly? These guys were working. They were working. In Matthew, it says that uh, James and, or that, that Peter and Andrew were casting their net, which we saw in Luke's because Jesus told them to. And then it says that Andrew, or that James and John were mending their nets with their fathers. And it says that in all three, all three of the passages say they were fixing their nets, they were mending their nets. And mending nets is not easy work. That's hard work that they're trying to do. They're trying to get their thing all fixed up and they're trying to get their, they're trying to get their net all fixed. That's, that's work. Um, some jobs are easier than others. Mending nets, that's kind of one of the nasty, hard jobs. They get all gross from being in the water. Like some jobs, oh, that's kind of a fun job. Some jobs, not so fun. How many of you would like to be a video game tester? That'd be a fun job. What's your job? Play video games all day. That'd be a fun job. Maybe a good job would be to be cupcake taster. What's your job? I have to eat cupcakes and see if they taste good. That's my job. That'd be a good job to have, I would think. Like cupcake taster, race car driver. Wouldn't that be a fun job? Just get to drive a car super fast all the time. That'd be fun. Race car driver. Maybe a fun job would be to, you know, oh, I don't know. There's, there's some things that'd be kind of nice. Like maybe bed checker outer. Your job is to sleep on beds and see how soft they are. That's all you do. You just sleep on beds. Like, yep, this one's kind of soft. Like, who, does, who says if this one's a hard mattress or a soft mattress? You do. You're the one. You get to sleep on the bed. Yep, this is a nice hard bed. Oh, that's kind of a soft bed. Oh, this is a warm bed. That's your job. That's kind of a good job. There's some jobs that aren't as much fun, though. The toilet plunger guy. Hmm. That's not a good job. Ugh, no one likes that one. Maybe the... Grease cleaner outer guy at the at the restaurant, like the yucky grease, have to clean all that out. That's not a fun job. Ugh. Like at a farm, you know, there's some nice jobs on farms. There's some yucky jobs on farms. Nice job on farm is the animal petter. Your job is to pet the animals. The nasty job is the animal cleaner upper after her. It means you get a shovel and you got to follow them around and clean up all that animal. Ew. 
it stinks and it gets on your feet and it gets on your shoes and it gets on your hands, it gets on your clothes and you go and dump it out. Oh, that's a yucky job. But someone's got to do it. Ugh. There's some jobs that aren't so good either, aren't there? Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they were doing some kind of yucky jobs. Cleaning out these nets, having to mend them. It's work. That's a lot of work. And the other passage says they worked all night long before and they're still working. That's another thing about jobs. Sometimes it's nice to have a job that's just a short amount of time, right? Like how many of you would like to work one minute every day, that's it, and the rest of the day? Like if we had school for one minute, like school is one minute from eight, well, we'll make it later if we're just going for one minute. Let's have school from 11.59 till 12. That's school. Then you can go home. Come for one minute. That's it. That'd be kind of nice. Or what if it was just 10 minutes? 10 minutes of school. Make it worth our while. So we're going to go to school from 11.50 till 12, go to lunch, and then you go home. That'd be kind of nice, right? What if we had school every day, all day? Like 8 o'clock in the morning till 8 o'clock at night. Oh, that wouldn't be fun. 12 hours a day of school and homework on top of it. Oh, that seems like a lot of work. What if we didn't take days off school? Like you had the day off yesterday. What if there were no days off? No summer break, no spring break, no Christmas break, and you had to come to school on Saturdays. Six days a week, 12 hours a day, no breaks ever. Oh, that wouldn't be fun. We did that, remember when we did the, the all-night thing at the camp and we got to spend the night at camp with school? That was kind of fun. What if we did that every day for school? But instead of playing, all we did was school work and homework and class. So you just sit there and do math. And then we go to supper and then after supper you come back, now it's time to do more math. And then after math, it's like, all right, let's take out our spelling books. Let's start going over our spelling words. Let's write your, write your words 1,000 times each. Like, what? You're going to be there all night long. You're right. It is going to take you all night long. So now start writing. Like, ah. And then you finally get done with that, and you're so sleepy. And the teacher's like, all right, now it's time for our penmanship test. Are you kidding? I just wrote my spelling words a thousand times. Penmanship test. Like, ah. Start doing that. And then finally you get to lay down for like, like all right, you guys can go to bed. Two hours. Be, be on time for school. School starts at 2 o'clock tomorrow morning. It's midnight. Be here at 2 a.m. so we can start our next class. That's when your English test is. Like, what? That would be hard, wouldn't it? Work all night long and then have to work the next day too. Are you kidding me? Oh. That's what happened to Peter, James, and John. They're out there fishing all night long. And then the next day they're working. And then Jesus is with them and he's like, hey guys, uh, go ahead and throw your net in the water. Oh, we've been working all night, Jesus. We're so tired. Okay, fine. We'll throw in one net. They throw it in. They pull it up, and there's so much fish. Like, oh, our net's really breaking now. We just fixed this thing. Are you kidding me? And then they, like, have to get the other boat, and they pull them to the shore, and there's, like, all these fish. Jesus like, all right, guys, I know you've been up all night. I know you've been working really hard trying to pull in those fish, and I know you've been out here trying to move the boat and everything, but now follow me. Let's go for a walk, guys. Are you kidding me, Jesus? Can't we just maybe take a nap for, like, two hours? No, let's go. You know what the Bible says? First of all, he called people that were working. And if Jesus is going to call you, the first thing we have to be is working. He's going to call people that are workers. Sometimes, you know what happens? We think that, well, someday I'll be able to work. Some people, they don't like the idea of work. Like, oh, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do a job. I don't want to do that. It's, that seems like that's too hard for me. I don't want to mess with that. That's too much work. 
when I was growing up, my little brother, I still remember it, there would be different jobs that mom would tell us to do. And he would go to my mom and he'd be like, she'd be like, all right, boys, go clean your room. Put away all your toys and clean your room. We'd go in there and we'd have a lot of toys out, like all the toys. Like, so we'd try and start picking them up. And he'd be in there and mom would be like, all right, guys, go get your, go get your room cleaned up. And he wouldn't be helping. We'd be like, mom, Philip isn't helping us. And so mom would come in there and be like, boys, I said, you all need to clean your room. And Philip would be like, but mom, I'm just a little guy. And he'd say it just like that. Mom's like, oh, that's right, you are the little guy. Why don't you come with mommy? The other guys clean the room. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> he got out the toys too. He played with them more than we did. Like, little guy, we'll show him. <laughs> show him, little guy. We'll get him. You know, he didn't like the idea of working hard. Now he has to work hard. Now he doesn't get the toys. Now it's hard work. You know what Jesus calls people? Who work hard, who don't give up a bunch of excuses why they can't get things done. And I've heard a lot of excuses on like why homework couldn't get done or why work scholarship guys couldn't get jobs done or why camp staff guys couldn't get something done or why something couldn't be accomplished. Oh, you don't understand, Brother Daniels. The shovel broke. It's like, all the shovels broke? Well, the one we were using broke, so we couldn't dig the hole. There's like shovels here. You don't understand, Brother Daniels. There's just too much work to do on this one. It's like, really? I can do it myself like in 15 minutes. You guys have been there all morning long digging this thing. Come on, guys. Let's get after this. um, Do we get this done? Oh, well, Brother Daniels, I couldn't get my homework done. You don't understand. My cat got sick. And so I had to pet her. And she really likes it if I watch a movie when I do it. So I had to watch a movie because my cat was tired. It was just so much work. You don't understand. I didn't say it was you. Are you feeling guilty? Are you feeling... <laughs> Brother Daniels, I had to get up and take care of my baby squirrel. <laughs> I couldn't get my homework done. Uh-huh. Yeah, nice try. God calls people who are working, who get done their jobs. You really think he's going to call somebody who can't get their jobs done? I can't get my homework done. He's not going to call you to do something really important if you can't get your homework done. I can't get my room clean. You really think he's going to call you to do something great if you can't even do something as small as getting your room cleaned or as mending your net? No. Second thing he did is he called people who were listening. Called people who were listening. There were a lot of people out there. They were all hearing what Jesus had to say. Jesus talked to this, the one pastor. There was a multitude that was following him. This huge multitude following him. And he looks over at like Peter. Andrew. Hey guys, follow me. The Bible says that, in fact, let's look and see what happens. It says he saw the two brethren. Um, verse number 19. And he, saith unto him, and he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20. And they, look at the word, straightway left their nets and followed him. The book of Mark says straightway too. Then later on when he calls James and John, look down at verse number 22. It says he called James and John the sons of Zebedee, mending their nets. Verse 22. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. You know, he called people they were listening. They were listening. And if you ever go out like by the ocean, if you ever go out by like the seashore and stuff like that, it's loud. You got the waves, psh, psh, psh. and they got boats and once and they've got their boats out there, the boats are uh, uh, 
cracking and banging. People are yelling all the time. There's a multitude of people out there with all this stuff going on, all these distractions going on. You know what he does? Hey, guys, follow me. The Bible says immediately. They've been up all night long. Immediately. They had boats sitting right there. Immediately. They said, okay, we'll follow you. They just left their stuff and left. Like, oh, here are our nets, here's our boats. Yep, we're going to follow you, Jesus. Here we come. I mean, that's, that's kind of crazy. I mean, their boats were their livelihoods. That's like your truck today or your, your car. You, yep, I'm just going to leave it here. Their nets, those were their tools. Those were the things they had. Yep, they just left it. They followed them. They didn't start asking questions like, so where are we going to sleep tonight, Jesus? They didn't ask. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man didn't have anywhere to lay his head. They didn't say, hey, Jesus, what's for supper? They didn't ask. In fact, later on, if we went to the Mark passage, we're going to find out that they're really hungry and Jesus has to like feed all these people with these fish that these guys are going to have. And so there's going to be a miraculous feeding like you fed the 5,000. They didn't ask what's for supper. Hey, Jesus, so if we follow you, how much are you going to be paying us? They didn't ask what their salary was going to be. They didn't ask, hey, Jesus, how long are we going to follow you? Are we going to be done today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year? I mean, how long is this job for? You know, how long is this gig going to last? They didn't ask. The Bible says they immediately just forsook what they had and said, okay, yep, we're coming. They didn't care how long it was going to take. They didn't care how much it was going to cost. They didn't care what kind of sacrifice they were going to have to make. They didn't care what food they were going to be able to have or where they were going to be staying. They didn't care. And they said, yeah, we're going to go. Sometimes when Jesus calls us today, we start asking all those questions. God says, Susanna, I want you to be a missionary. Susanna's like, ooh, I'd like to be a missionary, but I don't want to go to a country where I don't like the food. I mean, what if it's a country where all they eat all the time is fish and beans? Rats. <laughs> that would be a long, hard thing. Like, I'll be a missionary, but for how long am I going to be a missionary? What if I'll be a missionary for like a month? Two months, two years, five years. Five years and I'll be good. I'll retire after five years. How long? At what cost? Like, I'll be a missionary as long as I get to live in a nice house, have a lot of stuff coming my way, as long as I get to set up. I, was, uh, I talked to Brother Enoch the other day. And Brother Enoch down there in Mexico, he, uh, uh, he was talking about his, where he was staying. And his bed in Mexico is two wooden pallets set on the floor with blankets on them. So he's lifted up off the floor on these pallets, and that's his bed. He gets to sleep on these pallets in this room. So that's his room. That's where he's been, that's where he gets to live. That's, that's his setup. And so we were talking about camp, joking about camp. He's like, oh, Brother Daniels, camp was actually pretty nice. Like, <laughs> like in, and we were in the bad dorms at camp, and those were nicer than his nice place he gets to live now as a missionary in Mexico. But he's in a resort town. I mean, it's like really nice. I was giving him a hard time. Like, man, you're like in the resort town. Like, this is fancy, fancy. He's like, no, no. He's like, I'm sleeping on pallets. He's like, it's not that nice. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, you could at least buy a hammock or something and, you know, be up off the floor a little bit more. But when we, when we answer the call, when God calls us, first of all, he's only going to call people that are already working. Secondly, He's only going to call people that are willing to listen. If you're not going to come, he's not going to call. He already knows. Susanna, I want you to be a missionary. But it's beans and fish. Uh, I'm not going there. Pfft, no way. Then he's not going to call. And say, okay, I'll find somebody else. 
Find somebody else who will go. I'll find somebody else who will do it. And it's just not going to call that person. Third thing, um, when he called them, uh, let's look at this passage here. Uh, and let's jump down to verse number 21. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left their ship and their father and followed him. If we go to the Mark passage, it's also going to mention the fact that Zebedee was there. Zebedee was in the ship, and they left their father and their servants, and they followed him. If we go to the Luke passage, we're going to see they're going to go out. Now, we don't know too much about Zebedee. We don't know too much about him. We know he's the father of these guys. We know that he's married to a lady named Joanna. We know that their mom followed Jesus. We know that she, she followed Jesus. We know that their mom actually went to Jesus and said, Jesus, can my son sit on your right hand and on your left hand when you like rule everything? We know that their mom did that. So evidently she had faith to believe that Jesus was who he said he was and he was going to conquer everything and rule. Like, like she had a lot of faith. That shows a lot of faith to ask that question. That shows a lot of faith there. We give her a hard time like, oh, what was she thinking? But that's a lot of faith to go and say, hey, this guy really is who he says he is before anybody else, before he died on the cross. That's before anybody knew who he was. That was a lot of faith that she had when she asked that question. Zebedee's here. And Zebedee stayed on the ship. And Zebedee stayed with those servants. This is Peter and Andrew's ship, Zebedee's ship, they worked as a group. It says the others of their group, they worked as a team. We know that Peter's got a wife. We know that he has a mother-in-law. We know that Peter's family's involved in all this. Peter goes off and he follows Jesus for three years. We know that Joanna's going to show up following Jesus. But somebody had to take care of Peter's wife, Peter's mother-in-law, Somebody to take care of, like, James and John and their family. In fact, remember when Jesus died on the cross? He looked down and he saw Mary and he saw John. And he said, woman, behold thy son. And he said to John, behold thy mother. And the idea was that, John, I want you to take care of my mom. Make sure she's okay. Make sure that Mary has food. Make sure she has a house to live in. Where do you think the money came from to help with all that? Someone had to stay back and someone had to be working on these ships so that Mary could be taken care of, so that Peter's wife could be taken care of, so that these families could be taken care of. You know who stayed back? Zebedee was there. Jesus said, Peter, James, John, Andrew, you four follow me. Zebedee's like, I'm right here. No, Zebedee, not you. Zebedee didn't get called to follow Jesus. That doesn't mean that Zebedee couldn't help those guys follow Jesus. He said, hey guys, we don't see Zebedee coming out there saying, no, no, you can't take these guys. These are all my workers. You're taking all the workers from both boats. Are you kidding me? I'm going to have servants in me. I can't do two boats. Jesus, how about you take two and leave me two? Jesus, how about you take two and then switch out? I'll switch you out. You know, take two for a couple weeks and we'll switch out. We'll work it out. Zebedee said, hey, Jesus wants you. All of you guys go. I'll figure it out. And evidently he did. In fact, after Jesus dies on the cross, Peter and James and John, these guys go back and their boats are still there and they go back to their old job. And they show up and say, hey, uh, Zebedee, we'll take our boats from here. We'll, we'll go back to our jobs. Like they went back to what they had been doing before. And the stuff was still, it had been three years. Three years and the stuff was still there. Three years and the stuff was still there. 
says, hey, I'll take care of this stuff back here for you. Here's the third thing. Jesus is going to call people that are working. Jesus is going to call people that are listening. And just because Jesus didn't call you for something specific doesn't mean you can't serve him. Zebedee sat back and Zebedee started serving God. Zebedee said, hey, you know what, Jesus? I may not be able to follow you. Jesus, I may not be able to be one of the ones that goes throughout all this city. I may not be able to be one of these ones that does all this stuff. But I can stay here and I can watch the ships. And I can provide for you. All morning, let's see if I can get her to, I left it too much. All morning my phone's been ringing in chapel, on purpose. I told Brother Nathaniel to keep calling me and calling me and calling me all morning today. Because you know what Jesus is doing right now? He's calling you. He's calling. He's calling you and saying, hey, will you serve me? Hey, will you live for me? Hey, will you help me? But he's only going to call you if you're working. He's only going to call you if you're listening. And maybe you say, I don't even know what Jesus wants me. I don't know what God wants me to do, but I want to do something for him. Okay, maybe you're a Zebedee. Maybe he wants you to be one of the guys watching the ships so that other people can go. Because, hey, if Susanna ends up going to this country with, where all they eat is the fish and the beans, someone's going to have to send her some money so she can get over there. Someone's going to have to pay for her and her husband to be missionaries to that country. Someone's going to have to stay by the ships. Someone's going to have to go out there and catch those fish. You say, well, God didn't call me. Well, maybe God called you to help. This morning, I don't know if God's calling you with a specific job. I don't know if God's calling you with something else. It's really annoying sometimes when people's phones are ringing and they don't answer it. Their phone just rings and rings and rings. Or if someone's alarm goes off on their phone and they just won't stop it, it's going off and it's going off and it's going off. And why did they even set the alarm that early? It's just going off and going off and going off. And will they, come on, will they please, you know what, I'm just going to break their phone. <laughs> I'm going to turn it off myself. They just set these alarms for like 5 o'clock in the morning like they ever get up that early anyway. Like seriously. In our boys, in our, in our high school class, the boys put their phones on my desk in a little box and like at least once a day, somebody's phone rings. And like it rings and rings and rings. It's usually one of their girlfriends trying to get a hold of them or something. And so their phones are ringing and ringing. So annoying when their phones are going off in class. Like, ah, go and put it on silent. Like, oh, I'm sorry, Brother Daniels, I thought it was quiet. He's like, Marlon, you always say you thought it was quiet. And it never is. It's never quieted. And it's, and it's so loud. Like, ring, ring. So annoying when people are calling and people don't answer, isn't it? How do you think God feels? Here he is, he's calling you. He's dialing your number. It's ringing. And you hear it. I'll get to it in a minute. I know what he wants. I don't know if I want to answer. God's calling. You're going to listen. Let's pray. Father.